freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. everybody welcome to episode number 335 of gun freedom radio where we engage we educate and we inform we are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com where you set the price on guns ammo and accessories i am one of your hosts cheryl todd and i'm the other guy dan todd our theme today is The Next Step, and our guest is Connie Ray. Connie is a host of the docuseries, The Next Stage, and recently partnered with Walk the Talk America for a deeply personal episode. After losing her 25-year-old stepdaughter to suicide in 2018, Connie became active in suicide prevention advocacy. Connie currently hosts a monthly series of, for crisis support services of Nevada called Talk It Out Tuesdays. The company has been instrumental in helping those who have been struggling with addiction, anxiety, depression, PTSD, and autism. Welcome to the show, Connie. Hi, welcome. So excited to be with you both. I'm really looking forward to this. Boy, me too. And again, I have to say, I am, I am sad for the reason that, that we have been brought together, but I am so grateful uh, to you for revisiting the, the most difficult moments of your life to be able to share your journey and, and it helped to encourage other families out there. Well, I, I think that for both my husband and I and our family, it really is about education. And if we can find a way to share our story so it enlightens and engages and gets that information out there to other people, we want people to get help if they need help. And if opening up about what we went through is a way for individuals to feel more secure in reaching out to get that help, then we're, we're absolutely about sharing this story. Well, I so value that. Like Thank that. you so much. So let's, uh, start, because my background's in psychology, well, of course, what am I going to say? Let's start at the beginning. Tell us about <laughs> your journey and, and your background and your upbringing. Well, um, I actually am, I guess you would say I'm a Navy brat. Uh, my dad uh, worked civil service, but also served as a, a CB in, in the Navy. And uh, when I was in the sixth grade, my dad was working for the government and we moved to the Philippines. Uh, he worked for Subic Bay for the Navy base there. And uh, I was there for seven years. Uh, graduated high school and uh, the very next day Mount Pinatubo uh, blew up so uh, we were evacuated a few short days later on the USS Abraham Lincoln. Um, I'm originally from Seattle, Washington and uh, after we were evacuated I moved back to Seattle and uh, started a career, uh, uh, started going to college to follow a career that I'd always wanted to be in and that was theater and, and radio and communications and uh, 
completed my degree at Cornish College of the Arts in uh, 1995 and uh, moved to Northern Nevada. Never thought that I would end up in Reno, Nevada uh, back in, uh, it was November of 1998. And it was where I got my first radio uh, job. And since then I've lived here in Northern Nevada for a little over 22 years. And just recently, I left my radio career and uh, started The Next Stage, which is an online docu-series that I partner with the local news station here in Northern Nevada. And we share stories of innovation, ideas, concepts, people who are really looking to move the needle in, onto the next stage. And um, I was introduced to uh, Walk the Talk America through an episode that I did for Crisis Support Services. And I guess you could say that uh, a very unusual friendship began. And this is really where our, our journey started. Wow. Well, I have to say, you know, uh, Reno, Nevada, we have some good friends who live there. And uh, of course, Jake is one of them now. Uh, but Tahoe, you are like a stone's throw <laughs> from one of my most favorite places on the planet, Lake Tahoe. Uh, yeah, it is. It's gorgeous. And then I'm very lucky. My husband is originally from Quincy, which is another beautiful mountain town. And his mom lives uh, in Gray Eagle. So if you love mountain lakes or the Great Basin, uh, this is definitely a place to come. And I, I love every aspect of being here, the mountains, the lakes, uh, the community. It's a really unique community that lives here. And I, I feel like I've seen some major transformation that has happened over the 22 years that I've been here. I mean, we're a rapidly growing city. Uh, of course, that comes with rapid growing problems and, and challenges. <laughs> uh, but I, I feel very blessed that we've, we have that moniker, right? Biggest little city. Mm -hmm. And uh, I 100% tell people all the time that is, that is the joy of living here. There is literally two degrees of separation between anyone that you meet in Northern Nevada. We all know each other. We're all there for each other. And I feel so blessed to be a part of this community. Absolutely. That is awesome. And so uh, when we say Jake and Mike, of course, we are talking about Michael Sodini and Jake Wiskirchen, whose name I butcher every time I say it. I know it's a tough one. Jake Wiskirchen, that's a tough name, but he's a great guy. They're both just... Um, it was interesting because when I met them, uh, Mike, of course, is the founder from Walk the Talk America, and then uh, Jake is on the board with him. And Jake is a, a therapist. He has a Zephyr Wellness here in, in Northern Nevada. And when I first met them, I just, there was something about them. And I know we talk about it now. They were so nervous to interview with me, just as I was as nervous to interview with them. I mean, if you really were to sit down and look at the bare facts, here we were about to talk about suicide and uh, gun ownership, mental health and, and gun ownership. And they were going to sit down with a mother who had just lost their child to uh, a suicide by firearm, uh, a veteran. Uh, my daughter was a, was a Marine Corps vet. Uh, so I'm sure that there was... And, and, and Jake will say the same as we were just not sure what was going to happen. But in the end, I think what happened is a true testament to the America I believe we live in. And that is even if we come from two different backgrounds and two sides, it's important to meet in the middle so we can better understand one another. Oh, beautifully said. And I, I want to take a, a deep dive into 
you know, what did you guys do when you were interviewing together? But again, let's take one far, a step farther back and talk about your daughter, uh, Katie. Uh, you said she was a, a veteran of the Marine Corps. When did you and your husband realize that maybe she was struggling with something that, and did you realize it could be life-threatening or did it just seem like, well, she's just not, you know, she's just not herself. It was very immediate. Uh, the background is that my two stepdaughters were removed from their biological mother. Uh, she was in the midst of uh, methamphetamine addiction. And uh, Katie was my husband's oldest daughter that he became her father when she was two years old. He's not her biological father, but the only father that she knew. Um, so uh, when the girls were removed from their mother, Katie was 14 and her younger sister, Jessie, uh, was 10 years old. Um, and again, I go back to talking about the community that I lived in. Obviously the girls were removed through Child Protective Services. Mm -hmm. And uh, we cannot say enough about what incredible individuals work for that agency and wow. the care that we were given. Uh, we were immediately uh, put into therapy. Our girls uh, were given an, an option to get into a, a therapist. And it was really at that time when uh, Katie was 14 that we knew uh, that there were some mental health issues. She had been uh, diagnosed with a bipolar disorder, uh, a personality uh, disorder. And a lot of it came from what she had grown up around, um, the environment that, that she was in. And um, also, we know that her mother had a, a mental health il illness. I mean, obviously, when you think about drug addiction and mental health, they really, they really do go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I nature and nurture taking place there. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, I, I just fell in love with my husband and those girls, they just meant the world to me. And uh, we, it was a struggle from, from day one with Katie because mm -hmm. we knew that she was dealing with a mental health crisis and really struggling to find her way. Um, you know, when she was 18, she left our home uh, and, and that was in kind of a midst of her trying to figure herself out and wanting to kind of reconnect with her mom, but then that not being what she had hoped for it obviously her mom was still struggling and and i think that that really affected her and you know when she joined the marines we were just so incredibly proud of her i mean obviously i i come from a military family my whole family is is military so it was in my mind i was really thinking that this would be an opportunity for her to to grow and and discover who she was um, and kind of get away from what she had always been a part of and that was this unstable in environment and that she could find her own place is what we had really hoped mm -hmm. absolutely boy that is that is tough and so do you think that that her military experience it did help or did it maybe exacerbate some things just you know not that any military service would exacerbate someone's issues but on her particular situation I think it was a combination of both. I think that she really was trying to find a place where she belonged. And um, if you're at all familiar with the military, right, you know, you're, it's a brotherhood. It's something that I think that there were parts of it that she did very much engage with. But we do know that 
they were very much aware of her mental health issues and that she did spend some time in a mental health facility in, in Paris Island. Um, and my husband at that time was, was in contact with her, uh, her therapist, and we were just really trying to encourage Katie to continue to get the help that she needed. Um, but if you're familiar at all with bipolar disorder, it's extreme highs and extreme lows. Mm -hmm. And that was what we saw continuously with Katie was this riding high for a very long time and then just coming crushingly down low. And a lot of this was exacerbated by decisions that, that she was making based on emotion, uh, where, which is part of the illness. Sure. Um, so I think that uh, uh, she ended up getting married very young. She was barely 21, uh, barely knew her husband, uh, quite honestly. And uh, he's a wonderful, wonderful man. And they, he is now in Kansas. He, too, himself was a Marine. He was stationed at, at Bridgeport uh, uh, Mountain Warfare Training Facility, which is not too far from here in Reno. Um, and I think he loved her more than anything on this planet. But when you're dealing with an illness, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how much mm -hmm. you love someone. They don't see that. And I'm learning that now. Yeah. And I think that is also part of our journey of understanding better about mental health. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree. Um, so Taking us back to now you've met Mike Sodini and Jake Wischkirchen of Walk the Talk America, and you are going to, you know, share your, your interests, you know, the work you do, the work they do. What, what came about that you said, okay, I want to, I want to overcome this particular um, hesitation or fear, I'll let you put the word to it, that I have about the tool itself, um, the, the firearm itself that was part of this tragic story with Katie. I'd never really had been, I mean, yes, I was around guns in the sense I lived on a military base. And if you've ever lived overseas, you know that anywhere you go on a military base, you know, there's someone there with a machine gun or, you, you know, they're, it wasn't unusual, but I was never personally around guns. My dad did some skeet uh, shooting and had gone out and done some hunting with my uncle, but it was not something that was a part of my world. Mm -hmm. And uh, my husband, as I had mentioned, you know, grew up in the mountains. And so this was, you know, he always jokes that uh, where he grew up, uh, he went to high school where everybody had a gun rack in their truck, right? <laughs> This was, that would be Dan. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was just like, it was part of the culture. This is where we lived. Mm -hmm. And um, I had already had conversations with him about my fear of guns. And he had been telling me, you know, I think it'd be great for you to take a gun safety class. I think it would be, you know, just to get over that fear. And I think when I met Mike and Jake and the conversation started, you know, Jake's a therapist. So here we are having this interview and he's really kind of digging into asking me questions about um, how I felt and why I had this fear and how it had uh, intensified after losing Katie. And I think a lot of it was 
And I said this to him, it's easy for me to blame the gun mm -hmm. than to really, even though I understood the illness, um, you know, in my mind, it was like, well, if the gun wasn't there, right? If the gun hadn't been there, but then I know that it would have been something else. Mm -hmm. If you're in that much pain mm -hmm. and you're dealing with that much of uh, a mental health struggle, I don't mm -hmm. think that it would matter what, what tool you used. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there was also something that I, that Jake said to me that has resonated with me. And that was, he started talking about statistics about gun owners. And he said, you know, prior to the pandemic, we know that I think it was like 46% of Americans owned firearms. They have a firearm in their home. And he said, we also know now that those statistics are higher. You're probably looking at about 50 to 60% of Americans uh, will have a firearm in their home. And he said, in my industry, we're not talking about that. We are, there's no plan. He was one of the rare therapists that was really fighting to have these open conversations. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, that means that if I'm out there sharing our story, but a gun owner doesn't feel comfortable reaching out or having a plan in place, mm -hmm we're missing 50% of the population in opening up this conversation. And, and I also believed because, you know, mentioning my, my, my husband's background, when we would see stories about mass shootings or those types of things, um, we always would say, it sure does seem like had there been better mental health resources, this mm -hmm. wouldn't have happened. Mm. And so then I'm in a state, the state of Nevada is ranked 50th in the nation for mental health resources. So that was alarming to me. But going back to what Jake said, that we were just missing the boat on having this conversation. And I thought, well, that needs to change. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And but I have to give you so much credit that you had this traumatic, um, tragic incident where Katie took her life with a firearm. You already are, you know, not super like into the whole gun thing and maybe a little averse to the gun thing. And now you're even more so because of what happened with Katie. And then you trusted these two people that you had, you know, just met really in the scope of, of time in life just met you trusted them enough to go out on a firing range to a yeah. shooting range yeah it, well, and it was funny we were actually driving out into the middle of nowhere because in nevada you can drive up in the hills yeah. and, and start shooting yeah and uh, you know my husband with was with us and i think he was really excited for me to do this but there was something just so incredibly trusting about Jake and Mike. And I loved that Mike's background is that he comes from this family of, you know, gun manufacturers, gun owners. And mm -hmm. 
he really saw a need and that he he took it one step further after a conversation with a family member about losing someone to suicide mm -hmm. because i think we all have that conversation right after a mass shooting or a mass or you find out someone takes their life with a firearm we all have that conversation we got to blame the gun or it's a mental health and we're not getting anywhere mm -hmm. by blaming each other but if we could get somewhere where i could take my fears and my experience and say hey i, I can have my mind changed yeah and if i'm someone that was as fearful and you know that culture so unknown to me i think that i would be able to open up other people's eyes like they know that i'm not out there with I, I'm trying to get the knowledge. And I think yeah. there's something to be said for that. There's a lot to be said for that. And you are just an individual. You're not uh, an advocate for anything other than to help people, you know, get the help they need on your talk it out Tuesdays and your suicide prevention advocacy. But on the, the firearms issue, you, you are, you're in a neutral place and, and you, you came from a non-neutral place just emotionally. And so if you're able to say, look, you know, maybe there's a new way to look at this and talk about this and talk to each other about this. That's what I think is just huge. And, and you're such a beautiful example for so many of us, even those of us who are outspoken advocates, like, like Dan and I, because sometimes I think we get too locked up in, you know, well, it's our rights, it's our rights, it's our rights. Well, great. It's our rights. But how am I, am I actually attaching, am I actually impacting where you came from by saying it's my rights? No, right. No, I need to care yeah. about you and your concerns and also stand on the, the point of it's all right. So I, I was also just so impressed that, you know, prior to COVID that Mike is going to gun shows where he's sitting up a walk the talk America booth, yes. which I'm sure there were some gun owners that are kind of like, uh oh, why is this mental health advocate here? But when you really think about it, I believe that if, if you are a gun owner and you are struggling with a mental health crisis, and, and let's look at the pandemic, we saw people who never had experienced a mental health crisis before, all of a sudden they're feeling anxious and the world around them is not normal. So they're having these feelings they've never had before wouldn't it be better that that gun owner knows hey i've got a plan i have a family member or a, someone who i have this plan if something were to happen so that i'm keeping myself safe and then you're also starting the conversation with that other person about mental health so i kind of saw this like bridge mm -hmm. where we could find a way to get gun owners to feel comfortable and say, um, I, I am struggling and I need some help. And as Jake would say, he as a therapist was dealing with people saying, well, I'm not going to come see a therapist. You know, they're going to take my guns away. And he was like, I don't have a bat phone. I'm not calling up <laughs> the FBI to come get your guns. Let's actually mm -hmm. have a plan. So you know how to keep yourself safe. And I just really, really respected that. You know, I, I think it's great that he's going to the gun shows. You know, I'm kind of an old timer that, you know, we've been through these family crises and we had one of my family members attempted suicide three times. 
and there was the only thing they could do at the time was they put her in a mental hospital which did no good all they did was confine her and so there was nowhere to go we didn't know what to do and by getting the community together and talking about it and getting firearm owners to understand situations and signs to to recognize that there's a problem is a wonderful thing and it's something that everybody should invite and i i haven't been talking because i want to hear you <laughs> i want to know what you've gone through and and i bless you for the courage that you have to 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 do this thank you i i love that you brought that up though that listening and knowing what the signs are i think that's another big problem that we don't have you know that would be if i were to pick certain things that i would like to see changed i think in our education system in our health classes for our kids we need to be talking about mental health we need to be talking about suicide prevention <clears throat> excuse me we need to be talking about hey, what are those signs? Because I know in conversations with Katie's friends afterwards, mm. there were signs. She mm. did say things. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I am dealing with friends of hers that their husband was a police officer. One of her best friend's husband was a, a firefighter. Uh, one of them was a paramedic. Like they all have this extreme guilt now that they didn't, like it's all hindsight's 2020. And had we really been through, just like we take a driving test or we have to take a driving school, why, why isn't that a part of our education so that we can recognize those signs so that we can say to someone, hey, I really see, and I'm starting to see some things where I'm concerned and I love you and I want to help you. Let's find a way to help you. So that was another part of it after katie died having all of these conversations with people that were why didn't we see the signs why didn't we recognize this and that's something that needs to change we need to be comfortable in talking about it we need to know what the signs are and we need to know how we can reach out to get help you know exactly. connie I, again I, i've been around it and and i think the biggest thing is that people are afraid to talk about it because they're afraid they're going to be made fun of or mm -hmm. scolded or punished. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you'll well, look what's happening right now with Simone Biles, right? Yes. She is taking her mental health first. If we really were to break down what she's doing, she's doing tricks that are so advanced. She could literally kill herself with mm -hmm. a snap of a neck, mm -hmm. but yet, we're making fun of her or making comments to her about her mental health. And then you take it even further back. I remember when Mary Lou Retton was there and Carrie Struggs was, she pushed through and pulled, you know, ran with a broken ankle. Okay, was that really the best that we could do? Like, mm -hmm. is that where we want to be? I agree with you 100%. The stigma of mental health needs to change and it needs to change in things like, first responders, military, it's okay to not be okay. We need to just like if you would have a broken leg or a sprained ankle, you're going to go to the doctor and get help. Mm -hmm. Your mental health should be just as important and cared for the same way you would care for that diabetes diagnose, diagnosis or your broken leg. Right. Boy, that's, that's beautifully said. And I love that you brought up Simone Biles because 
to see people jump out with an opinion about her, you know, when they, as if they have yeah, deep they can't even get off the couch. Right. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. You can't even do a somersault yeah. and you're right. complaining <laughs> that this young girl who is the most decorated gymnast in all of the history of gymnastics. Yeah, Literally, yeah. there was also talk like, oh, well, we can't judge her. Her tricks are too big. Would we say that to Michael Jordan? No, <laughs> no never. So, never. Yeah, so yeah, I, I love that I, you said that. The, but that response from all of us, I think it was good to see people responding and saying, hey, wait a minute, that's her mental health is just as important as the broken leg. And that's how we need to start responding to that. I, I, I did want to make mention that after the day that we went out shooting uh, with with Jake and Mike, there was a friend of theirs that was with them uh, that's also part of Walk the Talk America. And he's a firefighter. And we were coming back, him and I were together in the crawler coming back from shooting. And he was saying to me, um, you know, I think this is really brave what you did. And I'm, I just, I, I'm, I just, think that in the position that you're in, this was a really amazing thing. And he's looking straight ahead and he says, I remember my first suicide call. Mm -hmm. And he tells me that he had to take down a 12 year old girl and try to resuscitate her. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching him driving back. And I'm thinking to myself, we also need to care for our caregivers. Amen. He has been traumatized by what he has just seen, what he has witnessed. He is now, he says, now I'm married and I have kids. And every day I think about that. Mm -hmm. That is no different than a military person suffering PTSD from a war, mm -hmm. something that happened to them in combat. That's where my other work with a company called Brain Health Restoration, they do... They're providing MERT brain therapy for those who suffer with PTSD and addiction, um, sleep disorders. But this, I believe, would have been an option for Katie. She suffered PTSD. She grew up in a traumatic mm -hmm. environment, and this mm -hmm. was the beginning of her life. And I would like to see, because that is what kept my husband and I up at night, those first responders, my military son-in-law marine standing outside holding his three babies waiting for those first responders that is traumatizing to them what are we doing to provide better care and better resources and every option on the table for our first responders and military personnel who are doing what they're doing every day to keep us safe and care for us we're not doing enough for them we're not. And, you know, so often, you know, again, going to the Simone Biles and going to what you're talking about, our, our first responders, we have this, you know, walk it off attitude. Well, some things you can walk off and other things truly it just varies, it stays there. Well, yeah, you know, truly need to be addressed. And there should be no label of weakness or no, no. shame involved. And then going back to Jake and, you know, that I don't have a bat phone. Well, those of us who are, you know, firearms owners, uh, we do fear the bat phone in the form of these red flag laws. Mm -hmm. We are afraid that somebody with the best of intentions might, um, 
you know, think they're helping, call some authority, and the authority thinks the thing to do is to come and confiscate all of the firearms. Well, without some due process, that's not the thing to do. And that's going to keep more of us locked up and afraid to speak out. Plus, it's not going to solve the goal either because of no. what going to do what they're going to do. Right. Absolutely. And I, I 100% agree with you that that is exactly what kept coming to mind is we've got to make sure that gun owners, and that means really finding what your regulations are in each state. That's another confusing part of this is each state has a different kind of set of, of laws and how they could do this. Like I remember Jake saying to me, and I can't remember the state that it's not like you can call uncle Fred and set up to have uncle Fred come get your weapons. If right, you have right. guns, they that's illegal. So then now what do you do? Like what is, and so that to me really got me thinking, well, oh my gosh, you know, what are, what can people do if you want to make sure that there's something in place? You know, is it, is it just that you tell your significant other or, you know, you have a special code on the safe? What is, what is it? You know, you really have to dig into each state's laws. So that was what was another part of this that was intriguing to me and preventing those that have a gun from getting the mental help that they need because they don't understand what's going to happen to them or they are fearful that that right is going to be taken away. It's so true. And I think that it just may end up being as individual as each person about what is the best route to take for them. There is, um, oh my gosh, uh, Sarah Albright, what is her hold my guns? She has an organization called hold my guns that she's starting to work with ranges and gun stores, uh, where there's like safe storage. So I, as an individual, if I'm feeling like man, I'm going through a really rough patch right now, or maybe my child, I have maybe a, a teenage child at home or something. And they're, you know, a little, I don't know, unstable. And, and I may, I don't think they have the code to the safe, but maybe they do. I could take that and put, put my firearms voluntarily in safe storage so that I have access back to them when I'm ready to, to retrieve them. That is one solution that, that um, the Second Amendment community is, is doing. And then the Walk the Talk America, where they are trying to you know, have therapists better understand gun owners and have gun owners better understand you know, therapists and, and the process and, and, and what therapists really can and can't do as far as robbing you of your rights. Um, there are things in play, but it's, there's no simple one size fits all. Let's have the federal government do this um, scenario that I think could serve everybody the best. Um, but, you know, I, it is good to have these conversations because it, it, it starts that around people's kitchen tables. Absolutely. And I think within having those conversations is, is where you are going to find those solutions, right? I mean, look at what has happened with Jake and Mike and I, right? No one would have suspected because I was so nervous about because I was had been hosting Talk It Out Tuesdays for a while now. We started this during the pandemic and we had covered every topic we had spoken with uh, the Nevada attorney general about black lives matter and our Senator about the COVID restrictions. And, and then now we had this mental health crisis, right? We knew that suicide rates were already on the rise prior mm -hmm. to COVID. 
we here, uh, so the crisis support services of Nevada, the 1-800 number rolls into these locations as well. So they're, a, they're also a national call center. And it was anxiety, depression, being locked down, the, you know, the insecurities. And these were, they had an increase of over 200% in calls. And many of the calls that were coming in, I would say of that 200%, half of those were people who'd never felt this before. They'd never experienced anxiety. They'd never had a bout with depression. And when Jake was saying to me again, that now you have these people that are gun owners, they're not, they're not doing anything wrong. This is their legal right to, do, to have a, a gun, are so afraid to reach out for help. And I just said, that that's just not right. And it's not, it's not conducive well, to getting people the help they need. I just don't know if they really understand too, because it's like when Cheryl went to be a psychologist, I was like, oh, okay, well, all right, well, you know, okay. Oh, that mumbo jumbo. And, and, <laughs> and it's just like, she, she uh, convinced me really hard to do a week uh, sem seminar or whatever mm -hmm. they called it. And so I went by myself to a place that is ultimate leadership yes. with the cloud towns and organization. And it's basically a weekend changed, of group therapy changed it's, my life. It changed my life in a way that I wish that every person on earth had to do it mm -hmm. because if they did and they opened up to it, then their whole life would change. As far I, as, you know, I think um, I just recently uh, here in Northern Nevada through the, uh, the Nevada Military Alliance, they put together what was called the Valor Resiliency Training. And it really was addressing the root cause of anxiety, PTSD, depression, and divorce amongst first responders and military personnel. And uh, the two gentlemen that, that ran the, the program, you know, they're military, uh, you know, hardcore guys that really were talking about compassionate things, how a first responder, if you, for example, the, I love the example that they used. So the, the officer has a traumatic experience, right? Maybe he did have a suicide call that he had to go on that day. So he's coming home and he doesn't want to burden his wife with this. He doesn't want to burden the kids with this. So what does he do? Instead, he kind of bottles it all up. He goes into his you know, the man cave and, and she's maybe been home all, you know, Hey, this, he's off work. You know, he just finishes three day shift. We're going to do all these great things. So he thinks he's doing good for her when really she's upset because he's not communicating. And the way that they talked about the importance of your mental health, and they actually compared it to the Spartans, right? The most intense warriors of all time that they would come back after fighting and being in these wars and they would take a pottery class, go on a month long hike. They would find ways to decompress. Yeah. They would find ways to reset a mental caliber that, because when you're in war, you're at a heightened peak. You're so you need to kind of come back and decompress. How can we do that? How can we work that into a culture, both military and, and police and fire, that the culture is nothing bothers me. I'm tough. I can handle it. Uh, you know, I've got, I'm made of armor. And what they're saying is you are, but when you come home, let's take that armor off. 
Boy, that's so true. It kind of reminds me of like when you're, you know, we were raised, boys don't cry, men don't mm -hmm. cry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, oh, well, maybe they do just inside themselves mm -hmm. and which even makes the problem harder. So, you know, you can still be strong, but you'll still have weaknesses. And I think taking these classes or meeting, or talking to somebody besides even your wife sometimes, but talking to somebody else about it can help take away that uh, stress and uh, anxiety that you have. You know. you know, my husband and I, after we lost Katie, uh, we did go to therapy and um, we were going pretty much every week for several months. And then there got to be a point where we said to the therapist, because mind you, we have two other daughters, right? We have a, a now our, our 25 year old and then we have an 11 year old. So we said, we, we want, we don't want to be sad every day. We want to get back to living our lives. It was almost as if we were asking permission, like, can we get back to our lives? It's not that we're not for, we're not forgetting Katie. Everything that we do now is in her memory and to bring awareness to what we've gone through. But I remember the therapist saying, you're good people who had a bad thing happen. It's okay if you want to get back to living your life. And being there for your kids. My other two daughters don't deserve me to be shattered yeah. for the rest of my life and not be able to be there for them. What good would that do? And it's not what Katie would have wanted. Right. So that was really, um, I think, a turning point for us. The therapy helped us for the time that we needed it because you're, you're very lost in that time. It's like, you know, the best way I can describe that. You know, we are part of a club that we don't want anyone to be a part of. This is not a club that people want to be a part of. But I also know that I had to get back to my life. Yes. I didn't want to be wallowing in that forever. Mm, so well said. And uh, while you were talking about the Spartans who came back and then they do something to decompress and, you know, just even saying working, you know, making pottery, it reminded me of one of our uh, previous guests we've had on. His name is Michael Rod Rodriguez, who was Special Forces Green Beret sniper and a medic, deployed nine times. Um, and he makes, uh, he makes knives and he talks to other people about, you know, there's that process of using your hands you know, if you're, whether it's gardening, my, our brother-in-law is, um, he makes quilts. He makes um, quilts of honor for other veterans. And, and he's working through his PTS uh, by working with his hands, making quilts. And there really is something to that, um, that, that it's connecting your brain and your body in a different way. And I, I just love that you mentioned that. And I also want to, um, Dan, if you'll read the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, I'm going to reach behind me and grab the Walk the Talk the America flyer. 1-800-273-8255. And I think that's so important. And it's on the back of the Walk the Talk America flyer as well. It's hard to get the camera to pick that up. But um, it says mental health. It's okay to talk about it. Yes, it and, is. Uh, I appreciate that you are helping to bring it forward in all the unique ways that, that you are. And so um, with your advocacy work, which is the suicide prevention, 
what are you currently doing? And what do you hope that by sharing this story, you will see happen? I have a lot of things that we're doing right now. Um, obviously, we want to push forth better mental health resources. Uh, as I mentioned, our, our state, Nevada, is sitting at 50th in the nation. We'd like to see that change. And currently, we're working with, and I'm so happy to say this, uh, although it was a bill put together uh, by Cortez Masso, who is our Democratic senator, we have bipartisan support for a $45 million mental health bill. Nice. We really know and recognize that mental health, housing, uh, gun ownership, all of this is coming into play together. And if we can provide better mental health resources, uh, whether it's making affordable places for people to go, I mean, that that's a big problem here in Northern Nevada. There are literally, unless you have a lot of money, you're not going to get into a facility. Yeah. And I have seen people who have lived here who have to send their children or their family members out of state to get help because we don't have the resources. So I think working to find better ways uh, for funding. Um, and of course, uh, you mentioned my work with crisis support services. Uh, we are out with them uh, getting prepped and ready. Uh, in 2022, the 988 number will become official. It'll replace the 1-800 number. Uh, which is great because this is a specific and designated line for mental health. Uh, we hope that it will be just as uh, valuable as, as a 911 number. I also, uh, you, you can find out uh, information about the mental health bill if you want to follow me. I'm at Connie Ray, W-R-A-Y. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, the, the next stage, our docu-series, we dive a lot into mental health. Uh, we look at partnering with other agencies and where are we going, educating the community about the resources that are available. And you can watch that docu-series at youtube.com slash the next stage. And then my work with Brain Health Restoration, um, you can find them at brainhealthrestoration.com, really finding alternative resources. Another big thing that we didn't really dive into this with, with my daughter was that she was on all kinds of pharmaceuticals, mm -hmm. on again, off again. Mm -hmm. We need better choices in our mental health care. We need to say if medication is not working, if something like brain health restoration with their Mert brain therapy and FDA approved technology is available, we should have the right to choose what we want for our health care. And this technology should be readily available to first responders, military personnel. Uh, this technology has been embedded with the special ops for a very long time. It's not new technology, uh, but I, I want us to look at other alternatives. I'm not saying that pharmaceuticals are bad. They absolutely help those uh, individuals. I've seen it work. I have family members that have struggled with other mental health issues and and I'm not saying that it doesn't work, but I'm also saying if you've tried everything and you feel as though there is nothing else out there, shouldn't we have all the options available to us? Exactly. And that is the thing. There's got to be more than just, well, here's another pill. And yes. Here's one to lift you up and here's one to bring mm -hmm. you down. And it, it's a, just a, a life stealing cycle for some people. Others, it's a life giving uh, 
pathway. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I just want other resources available. I think I that if you are in charge of what you want mm -hmm. for your healthcare, instead of being locked in because this is what they say yes. is going to be right for you, you know, and we know that with our daughter, she had told her husband on the Wednesday before she took her life on that Friday, she was on some meds that she did not like and her husband, she wasn't feeling well on them. And he said to her, well, why don't you stop taking those meds? Your doctor's appointment is on Monday. And she took her life on a Friday. Now, I'm not saying that that is why that happened, right, but right. it definitely has us thinking as we look at toxology reports, yeah. there was a lot in her system. Yeah. And if she was tried to quit something cold turkey, mm -hmm. that can just create havoc. That's, um, Wow. Well, Miss Connie Ray, thank you so much for all that you have brought to this conversation, uh, for, for sharing this deeply personal journey with us, and for the work that you're doing to help empower other families and help them after the fact, after they've been through a tra tragedy, and also helping them to prevent a future tragedy. That is so amazing. Thank you so much for, for all of that. Thank you. And I, I greatly appreciate you helping us get, get the word out. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm happy that with your following, we now have an opportunity to start a conversation. If you are a gun owner and you're struggling, we want you to be able to get the help that you need. We don't want to take your guns. We care about your mental health. And we wanna make sure that every resource is available to you so that you can be safe. And there are resources that are out there. You know, the crisis support services line is absolutely 24 seven available to anyone. And, and I do wanna stress this about that. Don't be judgmental about what your crisis is. Yeah, what yeah. a crisis is to me may not be a crisis to you, but it doesn't mean it isn't a crisis. So I want people to use that line as a resource and know that there is help and there is hope. And I'm just so appreciative that, that you're willing to, to have this conversation. And right back at you. Thank you again so much. Give us uh, one more time your website so people can follow you directly. And then from there, find all the other things you're involved in. Yeah, you can find me at ConnieRay.com and that's Connie, C-O-N-N-I-E-W-R-A-Y. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and our Next Stage channel is on YouTube at YouTube.com slash The Next Stage. Fantastic. Thank you again Thanks, so much. God Thank bless. You. We'll check back in with you from time yes. to time, see how things are going. Thank you both so very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. And the next time we're going to Tahoe, pop in and see her, right? Uh, tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> oh, if only. Oh, ta there, there is a problem about Tahoe, though. What is that? That it snows sometimes? Close to California. Well, it is, half of it's in California. No. So, but we love California. Yes, we do. We just hate the politics, but what are you going to do? What a show. Um, it's hard it's hard to think about what she went through mm. and you know it's hard to think about what people are going through right now and you know talking about having mike at the gun show with his walk the talk mm -hmm. i mean people have got to get past the this the fear of having 
medical people trying to help with the situation. And I mean, well, the politicians are not helping. I know with they're not. That. No, they want to take our guns away. Oh, you stubbed your toe? Well, you need to get rid of your guns because you might be having too much pain. And that is something that when we had Michael Sodini on last time, um, I wish I had that episode number to tell you, but just search his name on our website, gunfreedomradio.com. He was able to express that to some of the um, political mm -hmm. people that they were getting ready to push this bill, this particular bill, and then and it would have added to the stigma of gun owners and, and mental health issue. And he was able to say to them, do you realize what you're doing? Because you're saying you're for mental health. And yet what you're actually doing is going to hamper that because you've got this hook there connected right. to firearms and red flag laws. And, um, and it truly made a positive impact on the direction that this particular politician was going with this particular bill. So it's important to have these conversations and to speak up and to help draw those lines for people who are just like, you know, they've got tunnel vision. They're like, I'm a politician. Maybe I have the big, you know, Democrat D on my chest and I am supposed to hate guns. Well, there's all these unintended consequences that go along with that. And we need to expand for them uh, from our own personal experiences and knowledge, like Michael Sodini did, um, ways that they could look at this differently. And um, anyway, and, I, and maybe really strong on talking with your family, especially teenage kids. Mm -hmm. You know, we can say, you know, oh man, COVID, I'm locked in my house for a year. I got to wear a mask. They're telling me that I got to get vaccinations for work. It's my only job. I can't, I don't want to get vaccinated. All these things that we're going through and, you know, we need to take time to listen to the kids mm -hmm. because they, they're having issues too. And I think that's the biggest problem is that we don't really listen to our kids, mm. you know, to try to find out if there's something hidden that's going on inside of them that needs help. Well, and how and, and, do we and wait, listen to just, them when they're locked on a video game, right? right? Or we're locked well, on they're locked our on a video, phones. Maybe they're locked on a video game to get away from everything else. Maybe that's their knife making. Maybe that's their pottery making. But, you know, the main thing, balance. the thing is that I remember as a kid being afraid to talk to my parents about things. Mm -hmm. I know, like fill in the blank. Should I be afraid? <laughs> like, I'm afraid to talk about fill right. in the blank. Now I know that I shouldn't have been afraid to talk to them about anything I wanted to talk about because yeah. they were my parents who loved me. Yeah. Unbelievable, but yeah. <laughs> but, but what I'm thinking is, so how do we teach our kids not to be afraid to talk to us yeah. about anything? Well, and that's another episode, but for now we have got to sign off. Thank you so much to our awesome guest. I'm Connie afraid to Ray. tell you, no, we're not done yet. And we're not done yet. Well, oh, we have to be done it. yet because oh. the clock tells us we have to be. Okay. And um, thank you to our awesome guest, Connie Ray, oh, all that you're sure. doing, opening your yourself to sharing that journey with us. Wow. Uh, thank you. Thank you to our amazing listeners all over the globe. Can I um, say thank you to Mike and Jake too? Absolutely. Because it's like, if what if they were impatient? Mm -hmm. What if they just They're wanted to move to the next thing and didn't take the time yeah. to work with her, with yeah. Connie? Where would she be now? Yeah. And where would they be? 
So thank you guys. Absolutely. Walk the Talk America. Absolutely. And, thank you. All right. And until next time, please pray for this nation. Pray for the people who are in leadership positions that they they will have an open mind to hear you and to understand right. that, you know, they might be thinking about one thing a bill doing and it's really doing something quite different. Um, and, you know, there's a bunch of bunch of them that maybe we don't like that one, that much, but I could give you a list. We're going to pray for them too. Yes. Maybe especially pray for them. All right. Until next time, be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. God bless. Bye-bye.